Hello everybody, today we have uh, another exciting topic to talk about. Uh, we've got, uh, as usual, a lot of things going on in our business and in our lives. Um, Jared just got back from Hawaii. I did. I had a yes. fabulous trip. Zero tan. We don't really tan. Very well, I, I really uh, accentuated my farmer's tan. Oh. I don't let my shoulders see the light of day very often. Yeah. Well, you got to protect that skin. But we had a, uh, we had a great time, uh, well-needed uh, rest. Yeah. And uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you did because I was covering our business. I'm sure you were really busy. <laughs> and I did a great job, by the way. Had a couple closings while you were gone. I even covered your, one of your closings. That's true. And, yeah. Uh, we had lots of fun things, situations come in. Every day well, is different in real estate, isn't it? Yeah. We, um, you know, when I left, we had just started uh, the remodel on a home we bought yeah. uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, we had mentioned it in our previous podcast. We are actually giving some really exciting updates and doing some videos with this project because it really is a neat project and you can follow along with us on that on our facebook page at home home basics real estate Mm -hmm. and so check that out because it's pretty exciting um but i left you with a bunch of stuff going on there and i didn't do any of it i well, I'm just kidding. You, <laughs> yes, you did, because I came back and one of our offices is full of stuff you've already <laughs> well, purchased for see, it. See, that's the fun part is buying all the furnishings for it. So I've been out buying accessories and uh, bought some awesome tables and uh, yeah. a dresser set and some cool pillows. I, I love design. I love decorating. It's a lot of yeah. fun. But we, we did get quite a bit of work while you were done. We did get quite a bit of work done while you were away. Yeah. And uh, that's cool. It's cool to see it. Uh, it it's really coming along nicely. I saw it last night just briefly. And uh, you guys did get a lot of things done. We're trying to return this 1940s, 1950s home uh, back to that period yeah. and really preserve the charm that it has. And so... You've been out shopping for a lot of things that belong in that home in that era. Yeah. And so, again, follow along with us on that project. Uh, we'll mention it uh, probably here and there on this podcast. But go to our Facebook page at Home Basics Real Estate and, uh, and take a look and participate. We love yeah. some engagement there. Well, before we bought that property, what do we have to do, Jared? Well, we had to do some due diligence, just like we would do on any property that we buy. Yeah. And um, you know, today that's what we want to focus on is how you can evaluate a, a property. We've talked in the past a little bit about some of the numbers, some right. of the metrics we might look at as we're thinking about buying a rental property. And uh, today we want to look more maybe at some of the uh, tangibles, the physical aspect of the property, mm-hmm. and really get an idea of the, the condition of the property. Mm-hmm. So a lot of different topics to cover. Well, absolutely. You know, the, it's fun to go pick out a home. It's exciting if you get the bid, your offer is accepted. And a lot of times buyers turn to us and say, well, now what? Right. <laughs> well, there's a lot that we can do. And the state helps us quite a bit in kind of preparing you uh, what to expect. They've given us what's called the Buyer Due Diligence Checklist, which uh, the Utah Association of Realtors, is. we've been using that for a long time. And it literally is a checklist of things that you can do to evaluate a property. Yeah. And uh, sometimes buyers don't take this as seriously as they should. Some maybe take it too seriously, although I don't know if you can, do, I don't know if you can take it too seriously. It is really a big issue. Yeah, and uh, we we want your your entire transaction uh, to be a success, right. and this is kind of where it starts. In fact, right when you go under contract, after you post earnest money, and you'll probably get the seller property condition disclosures from the seller. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta get into this because generally speaking, our due diligence period that we can negotiate for you, maybe as little as seven days, maybe as much as fourteen days. Yeah. Yeah, that time frame is being compressed in a lot of cases. It is. Uh, We've talked about this in the past. If you want to make your offer stand out from maybe another buyer, uh, having a shorter due diligence uh, time period is attractive to a seller. So, um, you know, we've got this buyer due diligence checklist. And what it does is it helps to get your mind 
going about some things that you could do to evaluate the property. Right. And so you'll receive this from us. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that other agents in other states would have something similar to this. Mm-hmm. But it uh, it's something you'll get from us uh, right after we go under contract. Sometimes we give it to our buyers right when we're filling out mm-hmm. the offer paperwork. It's, uh, it's really important. There's a, a kind of a, a disclaimer at the top there. <clears throat> now, obviously, you want to be working with a knowledgeable agent, an agent that you can really trust that really has a lot of expertise and experience in, in helping you through this due diligence process. But it's really important, and I really encourage our listeners, if ever you're buying a, a property, to, to, yes, you know, hear what your agent has to say, trust them, but go through this verification process of maybe some of the things you're getting you especially want to be careful with things that the listing agent may be telling you, okay? Because the listing agent may have some reasons as to why they're telling you or not telling you certain things that would maybe help to close this transaction. And so you really want to verify some of the things that are on the property listing, some of the things you've heard from the uh, from the listing agent. Yeah. And so we're, you know, we're, but, but really agents are trained in the marketing of real estate. So when we're talking about construction matters, um, you need advice regarding um, surveys, uh, taxes, that kind of thing. It's really important that you consult the appropriate professional. And so this checklist takes you through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and as we start, I will mention to you that a, uh, and we'll get to a home inspector uh, specifically, but I will just say that if you hire a home inspector, it does cover a lot of these issues. Or there are tests that you can add to your home inspection that would cover a lot of these issues. But the main point we want to make today is it's not only a home inspector. Yeah. And it's not only inspecting the home itself. We've got to branch out. Right. So that's kind of the direction we're going to head today. But let's get into it. The first thing that the state would like you to be aware of is building code or zoning compliance. Um, I would tell you that the majority of our housing stock out there has a, has a building code violation. Why is that? Um, a lot of do-it-yourselfers out there in this valley that uh, do things that uh, are under the table or under the radar, and they're not doing it maybe to to hide from the uh, from the local authority or anything like that. But sometimes we just do things ourselves. Yeah. Well, it, code is always evolving, right? That's so true as well. If even if you were to have a home inspected that was maybe built in two thousand, that's a relatively new home, right? right? That home has building code violations probably has building code violations relating to your water heater, for example. There's been three code changes just on your water heater in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. But uh, the way we vent uh, fans in your bathroom, we used to vent them right in the attic. Now they want them to go all the way through the roof. Uh, But then you have some very significant building code violations, which are, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, can be pretty scary. Some of the small code violations where code is just always evolving and changing, I'm not too concerned about, but there are other big code uh, issues. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a couple of uh, other points to make under this topic here. Um, you know, if you ha- if you buy a home that's had some recent additions to it, yeah. or you know, we have uh, one of our homes has a nice four car garage shop, detached shop, mm-hmm. and when I and and it actually has an addition to it as well. And so when we bought that, I called Orem City. And I wanted to see what they had on file as far as uh, building permits, um, final inspections. And I don't know if I told you this or not, but that four-car garage was built to code. And uh, they also found some information on the addition on the back of that home. And so I felt pretty good about that. But, you know, if you bought something that didn't didn't go through that building permit process... There might be some additional concerns there and some things to work through. Yeah, there definitely could be. Um, a long time ago, people would build outbuildings, and there was no such thing as a setback, right? Yeah. So that can be a problem. Very common, uh, the seller property condition disclosure here in Utah asked the seller if you finished a basement, and if so, did you pull up permits? Yeah. Very common for a seller to maybe even fudge that question altogether. Yeah, but A lot of people true. finish a basement without pulling very true. a permit. Here's the nice thing in in Utah, and I know in some states this is becoming a real issue. Where if you find a building code violation in your home, and we all have them, you know, assuming our home is you know even 10, 15 years old, nobody is requiring you to bring that property up to code. 
if we had to require people who bought a home from the 1940s or the 1950s and we said you can't even occupy this home or buy it or maybe you can't even sell it if you're if you're selling a home that age that uh, nobody's going to force you to bring that property up to code. It just doesn't it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, it'd be cost prohibitive to do that. We yeah. might as well just demolish some of these homes. So a good home inspector is going to sort of put some context to the the building code uh, problems that we're facing here. Right. But uh, if you have any work done, for example, to a 1940s home, that work itself has to be done to code. Yeah. So it's not like you can, hey, it doesn't meet code, so we, we don't have to hire contractors going to meet code. But any work that you would have done would have to be, meet code. Absolutely. Yeah. But the second part of this is not only building code, but zoning compliance. And yeah. boy, is this one important. This is really a hot button issue, um, you know, especially as it relates to um, rentals. Mm -hmm. uh, even if you're not buying this home as a rental, uh, maybe in the future you have some plans to turn it into a rental. And so understanding yeah. what the city allows regarding rentals is going to be really important. Yeah. In fact, we just listed a property uh, two weeks ago. It was a uh, home that had been owner-occupied for decades, an old lady. Yeah. She had no descendants. And uh, uh, when I, uh, she has passed away, and it actually went to her nieces and nephews. When I talked to them, I said, what do you guys think you have here? Well, we're not really sure. I said, the first thing we need to do is pull a Provo City zoning verification. Yeah. It did have a separate entrance into the basement. It did have a kitchen downstairs. But just because it's got a kitchen downstairs does not yeah. mean you can rent that out legally. And I thought to myself, well, best case scenario is that you might have a legal accessory apartment. Well, we got that zoning verification back, and Provo City recognizes it as a duplex. Yeah. Now, they would never, in a million years, they would never approve something like that today yeah. as a duplex. There's the parking situation. The parking situation is terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh, it's it, scary. It's sketchy down there. This, yeah. this whole duplex needs a lot of work, but it did add quite a bit of value it because it's recognized as a duplex. Yeah. And uh, so that's the best thing you can do when you want to, Talk, when we talk about zoning, right? Because you mentioned it before we started this, is that, hey, hopefully you've got a great agent that you can trust, but mm -hmm. um, well, we've don't had, rely on what the listing agent says exactly. or your agent says. I mean, Go if, right to the source. There are properties out there that are that are being marketed as a triplex or a duplex or something like that. And yeah. if you did a zoning verification letter with the city, yeah. you might find something different. Um, the zoning verification letter also is going to tell you how many occupants could live, for example, yeah. in a duplex per side. Yeah. That's really important information that you're going to want to know going into that. Uh, just one more point under that section, too, is that you're going to want to understand whether there is a business license or a rental license requirement yeah. for that property. So, again, we're talking today about homes that you would buy as an investment, but also homes that you would buy uh, to occupy or maybe both. Okay. All right. Um, anything else to add there? No. Let's go on to rental of property, which is item number two. Uh, this can, this really comes into play in a lot of our municipalities, in particular St. George. Uh, St. George is sunny and warm year-round, mostly, and people love to have a second home there. And for the last decade, people have been buying homes in St. George and thinking, hey, I'll just put this on Airbnb or VRBO or whatever, all the different sites, and I'll help pay for that second home. And so they've <laughs> so St. George became, you know, a whole lot of nightly rentals. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people didn't appreciate that. That that I, I, I can believe that it may have changed the fabric of some of those neighborhoods because it was really that prevalent. So St. George, what did they do? They just they went after people. They did. They actually really aggressively went after people who were, you know, illegally using their homes as nightly rentals. And, uh, of course, a lot of homeowners associations do not allow that. Yeah. that that's uh, dictated in their, their uh, covenants and their bylaws. And so that's really important. Another one is even just closer to home. There are some homeowners associations even that are that are homes, not condos, townhome communities, but home communities. Traverse Mountain, for example, mm -hmm. has a restriction on how many of the homes in the neighborhood can be used as rentals. Mm -hmm. And so if you're buying that property to rent it out or with the future intention of renting it out, you want to understand what where they're at with that ratio, how many people are, are being allowed, that there's a waiting list on there, those. There is. Uh, that would be a really crummy situation to buy something and then not be able to, to use that as yeah. a rental if that's what you desire to do. 
hazardous waste and toxic substances. Well, we hear a lot about this. Um, you know, methamphetamines, big one, right? Asbestos, lead, uh, lead-based paint, mm-hmm. uh, and other lead in the home. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are some things that that can be very serious. Now, you know, I think there's a lot of hype around a lot, some of these items. So I, you know, and I think there's a lot of people that are in the business of remediating this that are constantly trying to scare people. Yeah. But it, 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 there is some serious things to talk about here. And so, I mean, what are some things that, that a buyer could do to, um, you know, test for that? Well, we used to do a lot of bank-owned properties. Uh, yeah. When the market was down, we had banks calling us all the time and sending us literally all over the state. To, to, <laughs> to, I once went to Delta for a $60,000 home. That's a, that. that a big commission there. a big commission. But uh, one thing that you can do that's very easy is to add a radon test to your home inspection. And sure. radon is kind of funny, right? Because it, it, on the same street, in, in a row of five homes, you know, two of them could have high levels. The other ones have you know, no, virtually no reading at all. Yeah. So it's kind of a strange thing. But the nice thing about radon is... If if it, if it does test a little high, and I think it's like three point seven. It's four. Is it four? Is the state level? Pico that, carries that, per liter. Look at you! you I, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to mess it up. Uh, it, it, that's when you should take action. It's actionable. But we yeah. see six or seven or eight readings. I think mine tested a little over six in my own house. I haven't done anything about it, but we've seen readings at eighty and ninety, and then you think, well, we better do something. But the nice thing about radon. Is that it really is not that expensive to remediate. Right. They come in and they install a fan, and it's probably seventeen hundred dollars somewhere in that range. Yeah. And so it's not as that. That's an easy one. To I don't know if I've really had any sellers say no to my buyer's request right. with that information that they just obtained from a radon test to either reduce the price as a sort of a concession right. so that my buyers could go back in and do that, or to actually have that system installed. So well, if but, they don't agree to do it. Then they have to update their disclosures and say, disclose. oh, yeah, we do have radon. Yeah. And what buyer yeah. isn't going to want uh, a radon-free home? Right. <laughs> so so we've done one. a lot of uh, meth testing. And you can add that. You, can, you, another one you, you can could add. do one yourself. You can bring in a, re- a meth remediation company to do one. Or the home inspector, could, add, could that could be an yeah. add-on test that they do. And I think that's an important one because there is a huge stigma around methamphetamines. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, we actually flipped a meth home a few years back, and um, it wasn't terribly expensive to remediate. That was a smaller home, though. but it, it could it can get very be expensive. expensive. And it's not expensive necessarily if it's in conjunction with a full remodel. So if you if you if you have a home that need a full remodel that tested positive for meth, I, I I'm probably generally okay with that. It's going to add some costs. I'll go back to the seller and see if we can negotiate yeah. the price. But wouldn't you rather know that? Yes, absolutely. Now. Yeah. Um, that's an important test that you could add on, and that kind of depends on who's been living in the yeah, home, the, what the history of the even home. Even your has home been. inspector could say, scratch his head a little bit, and say, I, "I think you better add a meth test." I mean, there are some things that you could see, or some evidence that maybe you could see that. Well, in that in that, that home is. that we flipped, I mean, as we were doing the remodeling and and things like that, we found drug paraphernalia. Yeah. I mean, syringes. What do we do we with found, that? Well, we disposed of it properly, (laughs) but we did have that one professionally remediated. Um, Asbestos is another one to look for at older homes. You see a lot of heat tape around ductwork. You see some asbestos. Floor tiles. uh, Floor tiles. We've had asbestos shingles in the past. Uh, The uh, uh, popcorn popcorn ceiling. A lot of that um, contains some asbestos in it. And generally speaking, when we deal with that, we just assume that it does have asbestos in it. But you can scratch a little piece off and send that to a lab and they'll test that yeah i mean you have to hire a remediator to take take that stuff out uh unless you want to do it yourself a homeowner can remove for example the popcorn ceilings which by the way is somewhat satisfying to take off (laughs) you spray it down and you scrape it off and immediately the home looks better i don't know what they were thinking when they wanted to you know when they wanted to add that popcorn ceiling with the sparkles, but I guess it was a look back in the day. Here's a big one, lead-based paint. This is kind of an an interesting discussion. You know, most of us were raised in homes that were built pre-1978. Sure. And we're just fine. Yeah. We're okay. And so you could test for lead-based paint. 
in 20 years of real estate, I don't... I've yet to have anybody actually do a test for lead-based paint. It's not saying that we discourage anybody from doing that, but the costs are are, somewhat prohibitive. But you can make the assumption, again, if you're going to go tearing into walls that are pre-1978, you really need to take some precautions there, wear some masks, maybe tape some areas off to do that work because it likely is going to right. contain some lead-based so paint. So we have a seller property condition disclosure here in Utah, but when it's a home pre-1978, we also have a lead-based paint disclosure, and a buyer is going to be viewing what the seller is reporting. The seller is yeah. asked, do you know of lead-based paint? They, In almost every case I've ever seen, no, we don't have lead-based paint. Do you have any reports pertaining to lead-based paint? No, we have no reports. Yeah. Then the buyer has a decision that they need to make. Are we going to test for it or not test for it? If you've waived the opportunity, you can still do it within your due diligence period. Sure. Uh, then you'll also receive a pamphlet, How to Protect Your Family from Lead in the Home. Yeah. And so, we, you know, you guys will just have to make a decision on that. But I just, I always try to remind people, hey, most of us were raised in a home pre-1978. I just, just to bring some context and uh, important. Okay. And, and one more thing on that. Lead-based paint is fine until you start messing with it. Right. So if it starts to peel or you're tearing down walls or you're scraping some of that paint, those paint chips, you know, if, we, if anybody in, ingests yeah. that or inhales that, that, that definitely can, can be toxic yeah. and dangerous. But if it's encapsulated, it's fine. Generally speaking, and that, that could be the case even with some of the asbestos in the home yeah. that's wrapped around your HVAC. Yeah, um, that's in, inside Good the sheet point. rock. Not Good a, point. Not a big deal there. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about radon gas, which is uh, number four there. Uh, number five, surveying and staking. <clears throat> you know, every year we have probably three or four deals that kind of have a boundary line issue. Definitely. And yeah. um, that's part of the disclosure too. It asks the seller, you know, are, is any part of your property? Are, is your fence on your neighbor's property? Is their fence on your property? Do you have a deck that's encroaching? Do you have an outbuilding that might be a little too far over. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll say yes. And I would, if I were a buyer, I would want to know where those lines are. We have dealt with some pretty significant uh, issues, boundary line issues. We manage a, a whole street of homes and uh, the whole street. Yeah, was I off. had to clear all that up. We hired surveyors, we drew up uh, new fence lines, fence line agreements, and things like that. And you got to understand that a lot of these neighborhoods, the fences have been up for, you know, two, three, four, it's five recognized. decades, right? They're they're fairly well recognized as the, the property line. But, you know, I, 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 sometimes it, it's a significant enough problem where the title insurance, they won't issue a, a policy. And so you sometimes do need to deal with this up front. And mm-hmm. so sometimes the title insurance company is bringing that to our attention that there is some sort of boundary line issue mm-hmm. there. But uh, one of the things you mentioned too is encroachment, either from a neighboring property onto the property you're going to buy or something that you've got. Mm-hmm. And you'd want to know that sometimes people will not deal with an issue with the current owner. Yeah. But now they know it's a new owner. They're going to come over and say, hey, did you know? Like the first week you yeah. move in. Did you know that your <laughs> carport, the eve of your carport is encroaching over yeah. on our pro-? And so they're going to try to revisit that issue. You don't want that surprise. And so you yeah. kind of want to make sure that you understand what the property lines happens. are. Home warranty plans. You know, we're a believer in home warranties. Uh, yeah. We've done well on home warranties on properties that we've owned. Sure. We've had, uh, gosh, this morning I got a call from a uh, buyer. And he says, my furnace just went out. I said, when did you close? October 24th was the date that he closed. He's just a few days beyond his home warranty plan. Home warranty plans will always give you an opportunity to renew that policy, but yeah. they're good for one year. And the state wants you to know that uh, there are a lot of home warranty companies. Yes. And this is where, again, if you want to you know, get into the weeds and compare all those plans, you certainly can. We have three companies that we order from regularly. We're happy to choose those for you. They're actually all really good companies, reputable companies. Protects you for a full year. If you make a claim on a home warranty, it costs you a service deductible like a copay. It's usually yeah. about 55 or $60. And um, it's like any other warranty company. Sometimes they try to duck and dodge a claim. There are, there are holes in these holes. coverages. And yeah. that's what you want to kind of understand is what it covers and what it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think those are important, but most of our deals actually do include a home yeah. warranty in them. So I think they're good good to have. Yeah. Uh, next one is just talking, and we don't want to spend a lot of time on uh, flood zones. Just so you know, um, 
lenders do a flood certification. They are checking the flood maps to see if that property is in a flood plain. And uh, so that's not necessarily something you need to do. But if the lender says, yes, it's in a flood zone, um, you're going to either have to, you know, if you don't want that property, you can back out uh, or you're going to pay some flood insurance and that can get very expensive. And you'd be really surprised in our area where there are some flood zones. Yeah. And um, very surprised. Uh, So you never really know. And, but your insurance company, and that's what item number eight is, is, is homeowner's insurance. Remember, part of your payment is you know principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. So in order to, to maybe get the very best payment, you ought to see if you can get the very best rate on your insurance. That's worth yeah. shopping around. Yeah. And so uh, the homeowner's insurance, they will, uh, you know, you just call, call your, start with who has your autos insured yeah. and see if you can get an auto home discount. Yeah. But these insurance companies, they actually share a lot of information backwards and yeah, you know, back and their forth. Databases, yeah. And so uh, they could tell you potentially if there was some major happening. In well, and, and I think that's the point that, that uh, Utah is wanting to make here on, on this item is that um, insurance rates can vary considerably. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that go into that, including some of your own personal factors like uh, some do of you your have, own history, some of you your have a dog credit score, or whether you have a, a dog, trampoline. a trampoline, whether you're going to have a pool, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's, it could be a surprise to find out three days before closing if it took you that long to arrange for an insurance yeah. quote on how much an insurance policy may cost. There's some other factors like, you know, disaster prone areas. Now, I wouldn't say this is a big factor here in Utah, but if you live on the coast or you live in Florida, it's very expensive to insure a home because of hurricanes and other natural disasters. Um, Older homes, I mean, this home we just bought in Orem that we just talked about, we actually are paying quite a bit more in insurance on that home because some of the electrical systems, and we're, we're updating these along the way, and we may be able to prove to the insurance company we've made some updates to the plumbing and the, the electrical as we're doing this remodel and hopefully lower our uh, insurance uh, premium on that. But older homes are risky for insurance companies. History of claims. The home that we bought in Orem, again, I keep referencing this, but it's fresh on my mind because we just put that insurance policy on a week or two ago. They actually saw where the, the there was a claim in that basement due to that uh, city problem uh, where there was some water in that basement. Uh, and so the uh, insurance company that I was working with to get the insurance policy on that was able to check that database and they saw a payout on that home in the past. Mm-hmm. And so the, the history of claims is gonna be important. The, the point is, is it can affect your monthly payment by 100, $200, I mean, it can go up based on the availability and the cost of your homeowner's insurance. Last point on that, when you get your homeowner's insurance in place, you talk with your insurance guy, put them right directly in contact with your mortgage broker. Let those two uh, get exchange paperwork. You yeah. don't have to do anything. You just say, hey, I'm going to go with you. I like the rate. Here's my loan officer, and the insurance guy will fax them or sure. email them. The, but I would the get on that. Forms. A lot of people do. That's one they of the would, last things. That's that, one of the things that the loan officer is like, hey, have you got this done yet? No, I haven't. Get it done. Yeah, a lot of our buyers are waiting till the week before closing to, no, to get that insurance policy. Um, start shopping for insurance early to make sure that if there's any of these kinds of issues, you can shop multiple different companies or see if there's some ways that you can get a lower insurance policy. Okay. Um, I think this next one is 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 important. Um, the title insurance. Let's talk about that for just a minute. When we have a a, a deal, uh, uh, for, for, let's say we're representing a buyer because we're talking mostly about uh, buyers today. Uh, the seller owes the buyer, as part of the disclosure process, a commitment for title insurance. And so uh, they're going to have the research done by the title company to see if there are any uh, problems with the chain chain and title, uh, any uh, liens, encumbrances, encroachments, boundary line issues, things like that. And they're going to issue a commitment for title insurance. And that, that commitment may have some exceptions, some problems with that title that, uh, that need to be cleared up prior to closing. And so, again, the title company can help you with some of this due diligence by providing that research. Yeah, so we are one of just a, a handful of states, really, where in our real estate purchase contract, there's no negotiation. 
the seller will pay for a policy of title insurance. Dave Ramsey is a big believer in getting title insurance. In a lot of states, that's something you have to negotiate for is a policy of title insurance. So yeah. we, we have title companies who do not want to pay out on any claims. So they are very thorough when they investigate these titles. They are. And then, by the way, we're sort of doubly insured here because you are lender as a buyer. Because yeah, I just told you the seller is going to pay for a policy of title insurance. But as part of your loan costs, you're going to see a lender's policy of title right. insurance. That side of the, the title insurance, that policy, ensures that your lender will be in yeah. first position. So you yeah. have two policies of title insurance right. on every deal here in Utah. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, if the title, that's the thing. As evidenced by the title insurance company's willingness to insure that home, mm-hmm. you can feel pretty good uh, about uh, some of these concerns, some of these these, these issues. Now, um, you, you know, when you buy a home or a condo or townhome, there's, there, there's a lot of times going to be a homeowner's association. Mm-hmm. Talk about the importance of understanding some of the issues regarding HOAs and yeah. some of the things we've seen that have been problematic for buyers. Well, we'll try to keep this uh, short because this is a huge topic. It is a big discussion. You want to buy into an HOA that is healthy. Correct. Financially. So when you look at the homeowners association's um, budget, um, their income, their expenses, the things, maybe minutes, those are meetings where the homeowners association's gotten together and say, hey, probably in the next couple of years, we're going to need to you know redo these parking lots or we're looking at new roofs. You can glean a lot of information from looking over those minutes. But you want to make sure that you have a good, healthy community that's being run very well. You want to understand what the occupancy levels are, how many renters are in this community yeah. versus owner-occupants. You want to understand all the rules. like, uh, And remember, it, it, we always think condos, townhomes, HOAs. No, no, no. no. The no, new no, way no. to develop around here is almost every new community has yeah. an HOA. Yeah. And they're going to say no inoperable vehicles on in your driveway, not just on the road, but in your driveway. Yeah. Parking requirements are actually a big thing. I mean, the one yeah. that we own down in Hurricane, for example, we're, we're getting a lot of notices from the HOA yeah. because people are parking on the street. Now, I park on the street. My kids park on the street, you know. Yeah. But in a lot of homeowners associations, yeah. they don't want any parking after hours on the street. They're going to tell you what kind of trees you can have in the front yard. They're exactly. going to tell you what kind of fencing Landscaping you use, requirements. What color front door. Can you have your garage door open uh, for more than an hour? Uh, can, what happens if you leave? I like HOAs because there is some policing. Yes. It, means, it makes the neighborhood look really congruent and, and uh, crisp and, and, and nice. Then it kind of keeps some of the bad apples out. Yeah. But HOAs can be a pain. You just have to know what you're getting into. Just know what you're getting into. I think that's the the uh, the, the key there. And um, um, you, you know, just a couple other things. Uh, seeing if they have good reserves in their HOA. That goes yeah. back to looking at their income statements. Um, any lawsuits? Um, I've been been involved with some transactions where there's lawsuits going on between the homeowner association, the community, and maybe the developer or the builder or some other type of lawsuit, that can be a little bit troubling, uh, to say the least. So understand that. Take the time to get that. Now, where are they going to get that information? How are they going to come by that information? Well, remember, think of, think of the seller's disclosure deadline. Think of that as just a big packet of information. Seller property condition disclosure, that's a seven-page document that asks the seller all about their ownership. You'll get all of the HOA documentation. You'll get the commitment for the policy of title insurance. Mm-hmm. You'll get a, a several other things if there's leases in the property. Mm-hmm. So that's the packet of information. That's where you're going to get that that information. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you if you just be proactive and making sure that comes to you because uh, sometimes uh, HOA information sellers don't send to you and uh, and a lot of these communities if they're bigger communities they do have websites as well that uh, you could obtain that information but it is supposed to under the contract come from the seller as part of the disclosure right. okay um, let's talk a little bit about home inspectors home inspections. Well, I'm going to start out by saying that here in Utah, you do not have to have a license to be a home inspector. Well, you don't, have, you don't have to be a license. There's no such thing as a licensed home inspector. I mean, you could print a business card and get a business license, mm-hmm. yeah. and you're ready to go. And that's a little bit scary. And so um, Jared and I, over many years, have developed uh, three or four contacts with great home inspectors. And when you go under contract, that's one of the first things we do is send you a list of home inspectors. 
and they all charge somewhere between 350 and 450. Um, their availability can 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 uh, uh, vary. So if you called on a Monday afternoon, you should be able to have a home inspector out by Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning. Yeah, they're That's usually two to three the days lead out. Time. And so if you wanted to call these three home inspectors up and say, what are your costs? What are your costs? What are your costs? And just take the cheapest one. I'm fine with that because we know that they're all very good. A lot of times it boils down to your personal schedule, right? Because you want to set up a home inspection where you can attend that last half hour recap. Mm -hmm. So if they start at 2 o'clock, that means you're going to get there at about 5 o'clock for a half hour recap. Yeah, I really do love I really to walk want through you to att that attend that home inspection with the home inspector. They're going to generate a really great report. And a lot of the reports have video in them now. They have mm -hmm. photos. But I really like to be able to uh, meet with the home inspector and see some things uh, on there. And you're right, not all of these home inspectors are, are equal. And that's why we want to narrow it down to three or four recommendations so that we know you're dealing with somebody who has good experience, going to generate a good report, going to charge you a fair price, and that sort of thing. So we encourage you to call them up and ask them why they think they're the best home inspector or why you should yeah. go with them and let them sell you on that. But that's why we narrow it down. Down is just to make sure yeah. you, you end up with somebody good. But what are some of the things they're looking for? I mean, and, and, and maybe another question is, you know, why hire a home inspector instead of your uncle who's been a contractor yeah. for 30 years? Yeah. Well, a couple of things. Uh, in the, um, there's another document you'll, you'll sign as a buyer, and it says that you're going to hold as harmless as you do these home inspections. Uh, so I've had buyers who say, I don't want to do a home inspection with a home inspector. I'm I got Uncle Bob, and yeah. guess what? They they show up with a ladder, and both of them are up on the roof, and that scares the heck out of me as an agent. Sure. So I'm glad that you know you'll, you'll be signing a form that says you'll hold this harmless. And uh, the problem with Uncle Bob is that he does not produce a high quality report. If he he probably won't even produce any kind of report. A high quality report with pictures and videos and commentary from a home inspection is going to be so important when we have to go back to the seller and maybe negotiate some repairs or a price reduction. So yeah. hire a home inspector for that yeah. reason. I think that's a really good point, too, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but, but being able to use what you found during that home inspection, the source of that information. Yeah. A qualified home inspector who maybe the listing agent knows and yeah. uses mm -hmm. versus Uncle Bob, who may be a very knowledgeable person, or might not be. You're gonna you're gonna get more out of that seller by by providing the information that the professional home inspector gives you rather than Uncle Bob. One point to make here is that there's no such thing as a as a uh, perfect home. Um, yeah. And home inspectors do unfortunately uh, interject some of their personal uh, opinions on home inspections, but um, a good home inspector is going to try to put this into context. You've got this issue. It's something I would solve. It's not terribly expensive. Get it done. He'll help you prioritize it. These guys are working hard for their money yeah. because they're up on the roof. I'm talking like some crazy roofs, two stories. Uh, in bad are, weather sometimes. They are, yeah. They're down in the nasty, dank crawl space, yeah. crawling around. And uh, One of our home inspectors has had uh, incidents with raccoons. Yeah. Face to face oh, in yeah. an attic, uh, dead carcasses in the crawl space. Sure, um, they are, but they are doing everything. I mean, it's side to side. They're filling up the bathtubs and watching them drain. Yeah. How boring is that? Yeah. They're doing a load of dishes for the seller. Isn't that nice of them? Yeah, they're turning on every one of your elements on your on your stovetop. Um, it's in, it's a little bit invasive. It, it's and it's really extensive. And and so again, Uncle Bob is not doing all those things. And no. these home inspectors, they do have you know a lot of them have. Uh, some really sp specific training. Yeah. They're doing, uh, they're using some tools, infrared cameras. We've yeah. caught a lot of problems with infrared cameras that obviously you're not going to see with the naked eye, right? Yeah. Um, using moisture meters and things like that. Some of the testing equipment that they have is really incredible and it's beyond the capabilities or even the thought process of maybe an experienced contractor. Yeah, absolutely. So get a home inspection. And so much of what we were talking about today could be done by the home inspector. You can add the radon tests. Yep. You could add the meth tests. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great place to start with your due diligence is with and, that home and inspector. And I would never feel bad as a buyer if I 
if I had a home under contract and I inspected it and it didn't inspect well, and I back out and I say, oh, I just lost $400 on a home inspection. That's a blessing. That's a That was a great investment. <laughs> that was a great investment. Yeah. And on the flip side, too, um, there's... In a lot of cases, it's a really great return on your investment. You might spend $450 on a home inspection, and we're able to then negotiate with the seller five, six, seven thousand dollar concessions. Not every time, because some, and and some homes also they inspect really well. So I've had buyers hire a home inspection, and the home inspection really didn't reveal too many problems because the home has been really well taken care of. That's mm-hmm. also, again, still a very good investment. It gives some really good peace of mind. Yeah. So I don't like to buy things without a home inspection done, and we don't encourage our buyers to do that either. Number 11 here, square footage. Uh, do we have square footage differences all the time? Yes. All the time. Yeah. The county says it's X amount of square feet. The appraiser says it's X amount of square feet. Uh, you know, there's just so many differing opinions. You and I could go measure the home and it would be something else. And we'd come up with a different number. Um, my tolerance is maybe two or 300 square feet on, let's say, a 3,500 square foot home. Sure. That's probably a pretty big tolerance. It's more than some people would be. Uh, but uh, it's hard to nail that number down. The acceptable sources for square footage are uh, county records, uh, an appraisal, the original building plans. Um, you can go out there and measure it yourself. You're, if you're going to uh, get a loan to purchase this property, the appraiser is out there not only to assign a value, but the way he does that is to quantify what he's got there. Yeah. And so he'll take measurements of your square footage. You might want to peek at that number when you get the square Definitely. footage. Definitely. Uh, when you get the appraisal back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a lot of problems with square footage in this valley. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, and a lot of times they are uh, approximations. And uh, so... So verify that, and I think the, the thing that I that I trust really the most is to see if what the appraiser comes up jives with yeah. what the I county would, records. I put personally on there. like the appraiser's uh, numbers better than the county's. Sure. And then acreage, we do have some problems with that from time to time. Yeah, not, not as prevalent as the square footage, but correct. Yeah. So so just. Um, you know, do a little bit of uh, uh, research on that, and I think you can cross that one off your list pretty easily. Okay. Um, utility services. This is one maybe that a lot of uh, buyers may look past. Um, some of our buyers, though, are thinking about what what is the, what is it going to cost for the gas, the electricity, water. They're trying to figure out what their budget is with this new home. How can they obtain that information? Well, most municipalities are happy to take your phone call. I've got a home under contract in your city. Uh, could you give me the averages on your on your water sewer garbage? Yeah. Call Rocky Mountain Power. Yeah. And uh, get an estimate there. Uh, remember, your usage is different than another family's. You know, it might be you might be buying a home from you know uh, an old lady that <laughs> doesn't really use anything. And you've got five, four kids, five kids. Yeah. So that that's something to think. Consider. Is it? Um, do you think it's inappropriate at all to ask the seller what they've been paying? It's not inappropriate, but I'll tell you, I've had sellers not always be truthful on on that. Yeah, but they could send you copies of the... I mean, if this was a big issue for you, right, mm-hmm. and this was a sticking point for you, you yeah. could have the seller uh, maybe scan in two or three different... Uh, yeah, I like uh, calling the... the I do like calling the utility companies or the city. Sure. Um, but the inform- the point is the information can be had. Well, it, it could be a shock. You know, we still have some homes... Well, we have some homes that were built in certain eras... That are totally electric. Yeah. And so you, you better know what the electric bill is on that. Sure. Right? Sure. We have properties that are still on septic tank. Now, there's nothing wrong with the septic tank, in my opinion. There's but you not. better know what you got. And and I did have a transaction one time, and it was in a neighborhood. I mean, it looked... I, and, and it surprised you. It was a surprise that, was, that it was on a septic. Yeah. And so, um, fortunately, that turned out just fine. But gosh, if you bought a home thinking it was uh, tapped into the the sewer line in the street, yeah. but it was really on septic, that could be a big problem, especially if at some point in the future the city uh, may have some sort of requirement for you to actually tap into yeah. the uh, the city. You're going to want to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so just kind of look into who the utility providers are, what the costs are, and make sure you understand yeah. uh, what's there. Well, and one other, uh, just one other thing to think about. If you buy a condo, does your HOA fee include water, yeah. sewer, garbage? Mm-hmm. Or is it just 
sewer and garbage, and you still mm-hmm. have a water bill. Right. So some of those things are important. Speaking of water, uh, well, I hate to bring up the house we just bought. Yeah. But we decided not to buy the water share with that property. It's still flood irrigated. Um, and and um, water shares are extremely expensive in some cases. Yeah. Um, and, you know, technically... The culinary water, the drinking water on a property, if there's if that's provided by a water share of any kind, uh, then that's supposed to transfer right to you as yeah. a new buyer. Right. In, in Utah, and this may be different in other states, but a water right is real property. It's actually transferred with yeah. the property. It's transferred with a deed. And so that's mm-hmm. important. Whereas a water share is a share in an, an irrigation company, a canal company. Yeah. And those can be bought and sold on the open market as well. Um, well, it's very rare that a property comes with, with water. Um, it, it, I would make a distinction also that if you're in some areas, um, you would want to know if, if we have culinary water coming into the home, but if, if the city has a secondary water yeah. system. Yeah, uh, pressurized irrigation, you'd want to understand that. So we sell... And we I, don't I, drink, drink out of the hose. Yeah, we sell two or three properties every year at least where um, you're getting into water rights, water shares, wells. Um, th- so, you know, you're going to want to understand some of those concepts. Uh, I sold a small little, um, oh, little farmhouse in Heber this summer. And yeah. we really had to go into, because um, there was a well on there with the water right and then they own some water shares so that they could irrigate their garden and things like that so really understanding that i think is really important but um, unless otherwise excluded from the real estate purchase contract that water right is going to transfer to you with the property yeah geologic conditions i mean people can do all kinds of tests um you know regarding um you know uh, drainage and and wetlands and soil and terrain stability, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get too much into that. Your home inspector is going to say, hey, maybe you should grade, you know, the the ground away from your house. That's a pretty common yeah. thing. But I don't think that you need to get too too concerned of that. But it is here. It's there. I mean, one thing that maybe an instance there. Um, we have a, a property that we've managed for years. The basement has flooded a couple of times. It it sits kind of down at the bottom of a street. And when they developed that and they did some of the grading, it, it appears that a lot of water from other properties comes down the hill and then pools in that backyard. Mm. We've done some things to mitigate that. I don't think we've had a flood in there for several years. Uh, but this is a brand new construction. Mm. And so just kind of understanding uh, some of that, the water drainage issues, I think is really important. Yeah. Mold, a home inspector is always looking for evidence of mold. Yeah. And uh, we see some surface mold. That's pretty common. We'll see some sure. mold that might be around a water source. And that's where that infrared gun that the home inspector can take a reading right through the sheetrock to see if there's any active leaks or moisture. moisture. Yeah. And it's pretty common for us to take out a section of sheetrock that might be four yeah. foot by four foot. And we yeah. clean all those affected areas. We don't have a lot of widespread mold issues. But if you're sensitive to mold, you ought to know yeah. what you got there. Yeah. You know, the craziest thing, there's there's different ways to test for mold, but there's a great company. It's the Mold Dogs of Utah. Yeah. And they've trained these little dogs. I haven't seen them around for a while, but I did have a client use them. They trained this little dog to sniff all the way around the perimeter. This particular home had had some flooding because it was next to a farm field. Yeah. And uh, and he would indicate if he smelled mold. And yeah. it was kind of cool. And, yeah. and apparently they're highly accurate. But, um, you, you know, basically, if you hire a home inspector to do a mold test, they're just doing a couple of things. Really, they're taking an air sample inside and outside, and they want to mm-hmm. see how much mold is in the inside air and how much mold is on the outside air and see if the home is doing any kind of job to filter that out. Yeah. There is mold in the air. I mean, we're breathing mold all the time. This is another thing where that kind of gets blown out of proportion. Sometimes we'll have a little bit of, you'll see a little bit of mold developing in the, uh, you know, the shower ceiling or something like that. And people think, oh my gosh, we got black mold. My kids are going to die. We got to move them out here immediately. (laughs) You know, let's do some research, get a little education, a little knowledge on those issues. But it is something that you want to take care of. And again, if you find that, you want to know the extent of it and perhaps negotiate with the seller on that. Okay, this is a big one, housing compliance. Uh, You want to know what the schools are like. 
Do you want to know what uh, who lives in the neighborhood? Are there any are there any kids in the neighborhood for your kids that can play with? That's a very common question. You want to know how fast the fire the fire department could respond? Sure. You want to know the crime statistics? Mm-hmm. You want to know? Some people check the there's a sex offenders list. Yes. You'll find you could, you one could. or two of them in every mm-hmm. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot that you can do, and this is branching beyond the property itself. People always want to ask us, what do you think about these schools? Well, we have a hard time giving you, we're not really supposed to give you a lot of information. Demographic information. You know, we can, um, can, my greatest suggestion is go meet with the principal. Go walk the halls of that school. I think you get a really good feel. Sure, talk to other My elementary school doesn't score particularly well in all the standardized tests, but whenever I go over there, man, I just feel the warmth of the teachers, the warmth of the principal. Sure. And uh, I think it's a really great school that we have our kids in. Let me mention two other things here, if I might. Um, noise or odor. Yeah. Um, Big you know, Lehigh still has some active mink farms, for example. And when the wind kicks up a certain way, there is quite a stench. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a lot of flies that, that, that attracts. And so we have had um, clients and friends who have uh, bought properties near there, um, near the Jordan River, near Utah Lake. And again, you can get um, extra bugs, extra mosquitoes and things. So do some research on that. I think yeah. that uh, I'm wondering if you and I should be in the mink farming business. Yeah. Because <laughs> there must be some big money in mink farming. These guys are sitting on millions they of dollars are. of property and then yeah. they just they just want to continue to farm mink yeah but they've all gotten together and they've got big signs because a lot of our new neighborhoods are next to these yeah. places so they got big signs in front of the mink farm this well, is an operating mink farm yeah it smells we make no bones about it yeah. we were here first but you could be six seven blocks away or even yeah, further and not even realize that you're near a mink farm so again uh, getting that information is important here's another one um and thinking and talking about Lehigh proposed uh, transportation. Yeah. Um, Pioneer Crossing went in what a Ooh. decade ago, maybe even more than a decade yeah. ago, and a lot of people bought homes out there. It was kind of a quiet little farm fields and that way sort of west thing. Lehigh. Now all of a sudden you've got a major thoroughfare in your backyard. Yeah. Now you can't always uh, find that information out, but. Uh, here's another one. 1600. I just sold a home on 1600 mm-hmm. North. Uh, UDOT is going to put a, a major expansion there on 1600 North where they're actually going to be condemning several homes through eminent domain and widening that road. If you're buying anywhere along that corridor, you'd want to know that. And this has been the research studies and the things that go. This doesn't happen overnight. Okay, so this has been going on for many, many years. And so a lot of this information can be had by contacting the city or contacting UDOT to see if there's any of those kinds of projects yeah. involved there. It'd be really unfortunate to have a home that's, you know, at, at the time you buy, it's a real quiet street, and then that changes with a new expansion project. Well, again, you just really want to investigate the whole neighborhood. Um, some people want to attend church. They can see who lives in the neighborhood. Um, you can do all those kinds of things. It's up to you. Yeah, but do talking, a good job. Uh, you know, one of the things I really enjoy is uh, talking with the neighbors. Oh, yes. They will tell you all kinds of stuff about who used They're to very live helpful. there, what the history has been, if they had uh, you know, flooding in the basement, if they've had other issues with the if property. some kind of a stigma in the property. Somebody died in that property. I mean, <laughs> you really, you. some of the best information you can find, and, you know, again, you got to take it with a grain of salt a little bit and, and do some more research, but some of the best information you can find is is through uh, neighbors. When we used to deal with a lot of bank-owned properties, these properties were vacant for months, and we just wouldn't know what the history of those. But sometimes no. the the, uh, the neighbors would uh, either set our minds at ease a little bit or would cause us some concern and some reason to maybe do some further investigation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, and they sometimes will go out of their way Ooh. to come talk to you. And some of the old ladies are just waiting for you to pull up with yeah. your realtor, and they'll come right out. Yeah, but it's anything. a great source of information. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, go out and talk to the neighbors on either side of the property, behind the property, across yeah. the street. Talk to three or four people, and you'll get some really great information. Well, I have to tell a quick story. I know we're, this is becoming a very long one. Sean and I bought a, a condo uh, when we were first married, and we had gone over there several times and actually bumped into the, the neighbor of the adjoining unit, and she was so great. 
and uh, I, I we closed on it. She came over the day that we closed. I'm over there working on it. Sean is not wasn't there, and she said, "You know, somebody OD'd in that in that master bedroom." I was like, "Oh, geez, Marsha, why didn't you tell me that?" <sighs> like I'd seen you three times at least before we actually closed on this. I think she just wanted to have us as neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> and then she felt like, "Hey, after we we yeah. were moving in, that she would tell." I've never told my wife that. that oh. <laughs> and then somebody OD'd. You know, in the, we've the had, master bedroom. we've sold a lot of properties that have had that kind of thing going on. Um, yeah, there, there was somebody in Provo on a client uh, client of mine bought a home where the the guy blew his brains out literally all over the bathroom. Goodness I mean, gracious! And they yeah. had to have a biotech Sand. company come in and yeah. and uh, clean all that up and that sort of thing. Those kinds of things happen. You, sometimes uh, people pass away, right? And I mean, it's very common. Let's people do a pass podcast away. on this topic. When the stigma, all the stuff that we stuff. have, yeah, yeah, we, we have we've uh, seen, been through. They could be interesting. We've seen some stuff. Okay, um, just real quickly, brief discussion maybe on um, property taxes. Okay. So property taxes are kind of funny, right? Because if you buy a new construction home, guess what? You won't know what your property taxes are. So the only thing that the lender can do is to bid super high on what they think that the taxes could be. Yeah. So once you go through a full year at that property, your taxes may come down. Yeah. So that's one thing to look at. You'll also see a property profile where it says property taxes $1. Why? Because the listing agent was too lazy to look it up, yeah. right? Yeah. So these are some of the things that you need to verify. Yeah, you're going to verify it. The lender is going to be putting together all of these numbers for you as well so that because there are disclosures they need to make to you to show you what your monthly costs are going to be for your, your mortgage payment, your taxes, and things like that. But a couple of times, things that people don't understand too is let's say you buy um, a fourplex. And in the past, it's been taxed at, you know, X amount of dollars. Now, since you bought it, maybe the county got wind of how much you paid for it, even though we're a non-disclosure state. But in other states, they will they will they will now tax you at right. what you just paid for that property. And so, especially with multifamily, you can all of a sudden have a big shock in your mm-hmm. tax payments. Um, Some people have a really favorable tax um, status because they are on at least five and a quarter acres or more, and yeah. that's uh, that if they produce uh, an income or uh, they supply something, they can get a very favorable tax as it's a green belt status. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that when you buy that property, you're going to get yes. that same favorable status. It's a really good status. point. It's a really good point. It's a big deal because um, if you, um, let's say you buy that property and again, you see that the taxes have been $2,000 a year and, or with green belt, it could be, you know, two or $300. Now all of a sudden it's $5,000 a year, that's a big, big shock. And it's especially, let's say you buy a home with 10 acres and you have some intention in the future of developing that and you're able to keep that as green belt for the next five years or something like that, but in the future you develop that, you could be responsible for rollback taxes, which is sure. the difference between what you're currently taxed at and what the market rate tax would be yeah. over the last five years. And that can end up being in some cases, $50,000, $60,000 on you know, a 10, 12-acre development parcel that was in Greenbelt and is now being uh, developed. Right. So it's kind of something you, you definitely want to look into. Yeah, because property taxes are part of your monthly payment Yeah, in most cases. Uh, I think a great discussion today. Um, I know it's a little bit long, as a lot of our podcasts are. Sorry. But if you guys will um, you know, go through the buyer due diligence checklist uh, that we provide you as your agent or your agent provides you, um, and you kind of just use it as a checklist and just yeah. think through some of those issues, uh, I think you could feel pretty comfortable come closing time that you're buying a, a solid property that you're not going to have, and and that if you, there are problems, at least you know about them going into, and you can make the decision whether you want to close on that property or not. But at least yeah. you know that information prior to it. Having surprises is a scary thought uh, when you when you're buying a property and and you find out some of these things after you yeah. close on it. Well, and then you you sort of rely on a home warranty. And uh, that, that can help you for the first year. Sure. Uh, when you move into a property, there's always a, there's always that first month where you're going to discover more about the property than definitely. Than it's you not a before. it's not a you can't find not out a, everything. Not a perfect with that science, property. but boy, I'll tell you, this will eliminate a lot of problems for you. Yeah. So do your due diligence. Yeah. Um, you know, 
work with a great agent. Of course, we'd love to help you with this, but uh, we'll hold your hand through this process, give you, you a bet. lot of uh, advice and expertise and our own input and opinion based on you know 20 years of experience on some of the issues that may come up. You know, how serious is it? What's it going to cost? We'll put you in touch with people that can help you to measure those risks involved in accepting a property with some of these issues. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, thanks for uh, listening to us today. We appreciate uh, you guys uh, subscribing to our podcast, giving us a like. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook again for the third time. Home Basics Real Estate is our Facebook page. And we just love the interaction with you. And we hope to continue to put out some great content. But we really appreciate uh, you tuning in. Thanks.